Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Welcome to Forest Focus. It's FFP D-Day for Nottingham Forest as we wait for an official announcement on whether the club has been charged by the Premier League with breaching their rules. We'll discuss the impact of a potential charge, how we got to this point, plus discuss the FA Cup tie Blackpool and touch on Oral Mangala's potential exit in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, good afternoon. How are you? Good, thanks, chaps. Good to have you with us. Sorry we're three minutes late. I saw someone in the comments say we never start on time, but three minutes is basically on time for us. Second guest today is former Reds midfielder Lewis McGugan. Lewis, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good to have you with us as ever. And third guest on the panel today is broadcaster and Reds fan Darren Fletcher. Fletch, good afternoon. You well? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Good, good. Um, Kick us off, Fletch, around this FFP picture. We're still waiting for official confirmation, but, you know, all indications are Forrest are going to get charged. What's your initial take on it? And then I'll get the uh, other chaps involved with their thoughts on it. I, I think it's a really difficult one, I've got to be honest. Um, and I think if you're from the outside looking in, automatically you start think about you start thinking about being irresponsible, and doing things that you shouldn't be doing around spending money that your club shouldn't be doing in the Premier League. But it, but it's a lot more complex than that. I had David Ornstein on Five Live with me on Friday to explain it. And I always think that David knows more about these kind of things than any other journalist. Um, and he would explain it far better than me. But there are so many complex elements to this that it's not just a case of, oh, well, you spent too much money that you shouldn't have done, so now we're going to take some points off you. Um, The Everton situation, if we look at that, Everton voluntarily went to the Premier League and said, look, we think we might have an issue here with financial fair play. That was investigated. Everton were £19.19 million outside of where they needed to be. And that cost them 10 points at that stage. Now, I think 10 points for 19 million quid seems pretty draconian. And that would put the 
put the frighteners on a lot of people around him. Now, that's what the issue was. It was 19 million quid. It was 10 points. They're also in a situation now through profit and sustainability where they could face further charges. Now, they went voluntarily. The Forest situation is, is different because they were given um, money on promotion to the Premier League and decided to use that money to try and become an established Premier League side. I don't quite know what that money's for if that's not what you're supposed to do. Develop your ground and build a team. That's what they tried to do. They also then tried to stay within financial fair, financial fair play or profit and sustainability, as they call it now, by selling Brennan Johnson. And it might be the timing of that deal that's created the problem, that they might have fallen outside the time limit as opposed to ultimately outside of what the financial figures need to look like. So again, there's mitigation. Again, there's a defence. The situation with Manchester City and Chelsea is more complex because it goes back further um, and there are more charges to look at. And I also get the impression that what they might be trying to do is set various precedents and deal with certain clubs to fortify the case when that one is fought fiercely by those two clubs who will employ very good lawyers and have a really good argument. So while I fear that there might be penalties coming Forest's way, this is not just a case of irresponsibility and why don't people know better. It's a very, very complex situation and each each um, each club seems to be, be being dealt with in a different way and there seem to be different complexities to each individual case. And another point that I would just make before you bring the other guys in, I'm led to believe that what Everton fell foul of, by the middle of this year, will actually be allowed so they've lost 10 points for something that's about to change based on being £19 million outside. This is why they're so unhappy at Goodison Park over the way this has all been done. And I think it's also why other clubs who are potentially being scrutinised and might be charged are going to formulate pretty robust defences based on how they've handled the situation. So I, I, I just hope that people aren't too damning when they look at the forest situation because this is not stupidity or irresponsibility this is a very complex financial situation that a lot of teams in the premier league are finding very difficult to adhere to and if you think about it the way the system is if you think about an nfl team in the nfl there are 32 teams there's a salary cap there's a maximum spend and a minimum spend and every team in the league has to fall somewhere within that you can be at the top end of the cap or you can be at the bottom end of the cap but it's designed to provide competitive balance and a competitive league where you can go from top to bottom fairly quickly. That's not the case in the Premier League. The more you generate as a club, the more you can spend on players. So the reality is the bigger clubs are always going to be the bigger clubs because they're generating more profits and therefore they can buy better players. So it remains virtually impossible for clubs like Forest to go and join them unless they can knock the ground down and by some miracle start generating the same amount of profit as a Manchester United would. It's particularly difficult for Newcastle because they've got the financial wherewithal now to do it. But due to profit and sustainability, they can't spend the amount of money that the owners want to spend because they're not generating money profitably by winning trophies, selling shirts and the various other means that these clubs do it. So the reality is the way it's set up, it's probably encouraging teams to sell their best players more than it's encouraging teams to invest and make the league stronger. So there are so many areas where this is being badly administered and where the way it's written isn't really fit for purpose, but it's also a very serious situation for a lot of clubs.
sorry I went on, but you, you could do, you could explain this for two hours and still not give all the information out. It, it's just, a, it's an absolute minefield for the people who are dealing with it. Um, I guess as well for fans, temps, uh, thanks for that, Fletcher, appreciate it. Um, for fans, it's good days and bad days for supporting for us. It always feels like, you know, things are going, turning a corner with two wins and then you get the news that you might be deducted points potentially. Um, what's your take on it? The biggest thing that I take from what Fletcher's just said there, and I agree wholeheartedly, is this unofficial ring fencing of the top end of the Premier League, which is governed by the self-interest of established clubs with established profitability, who are able to protect their position by voting together, by um, supporting Premier League initiatives, and making it very, very difficult, if not impossible, for any other club to to entrench themselves through any other means in a one-off season, as, as we saw with Leicester City, or by consistently getting an advantage in the in the transfer market, I think if it comes down to the letter of the law, um, Forest probably have breached and, and have materially, factually um, spent more than they're allowed in, in the windows that we've seen recently. But the reality is that for every Murillo, there's a John Joe Shelby. There's probably two John Joe Shelbys for every Murillo. So you're not always going to have a hit in the Premier League. And if we look at our behaviour in some of the windows, there has been a, f- a few occasions where we, we we've we, we've made transfers and moves in that market that with hindsight don't make any sense. Shall we be in a good example? Andre Ayew, one or two others that you could make a case for. The football department, the sporting department in any sports club is the heart of that club. They get the resource, they get the airtime. It's the bit we all want to comment on, the bit that we all want to see. The head of the sports club, the football club, is the finance and the media teams who are probably in the background trying to give good counsel, trying to steer the football department into making the right decisions. And then the third faction in football is the ownership who come in and, and make, a, make a ruling based on advice from heart and head. And I think we've seen in a couple of transfer windows now, Forrest making some moves with their, with their head and others with their heart that, that haven't paid off. And you find yourself in the, the situation that we're in now. But I just echo what Fletcher said. You can't question the support of the owner. You can't question the ambition that we've shown in throwing all the resource that we had at trying to stay in the Premier League. We've seen other clubs like Sheffield United, like Burnley, uh, potentially like Luton too, who've come up, kept the cash together and will almost certainly go back down with it. I just hope that whatever the sporting sanction is and the whisper being something in the region of five to six points, we can overcome it and retain our place in the Premier League because all we've done is shown ambition to get here and stay put. I suppose the frustration, Lewis, is um, more around, like you've often been on here and said recruitment's everything, and ambition's great, and I would fully appreciate and fully appreciate the investment, but the sheer volume of players that Forrest have signed suggests that they're not all going to get a kick, are they? I could make a case for every single signing to be a decent signing, but eventually there comes a point where you've just signed too many players, and that's where Forrest have perhaps run, run into trouble as much as anything, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think the the biggest thing on this on this whole topic, I think the world we live in now is that now with social media and everything what happened, when stuff happens, everyone turns into an expert of of, of what's going on. And I, and I think the, the reality is nobody really knows. And if you look at these football clubs and these these top football clubs, especially at the top level, they have the right people in, in charge at, in these certain positions. Now, as back to Fletcher's point at the start, you look at these clubs and you look at maybe Wolves and stuff. These All these football clubs can't keep all making the same mistakes. So you maybe have to look at it and think that 
we're still talking about them issues of what's happened, what might happen. But I think that in terms of the financial fair play, I think the, the goalposts are always changing. You talk, like say, I, I, this morning, there's, a, there's now a change of rules what's going into August. Well, it's like, that's what I mean. It, it, it's the constant change. It's the constant change of, of what's happening. And, and the reality is, when we strip everything back, maybe even football clubs, which is quite alarming, we still don't know. Because the football clubs obviously are still making these mistakes. Now, that's where I think the kind of problem lies, is that there's this complete mess. There's so many kind of voices coming in with their opinion, this is what's happening, that's what's going to happen. Then that gets fueled into the media, which then every person in the media starts having their, their adding their situation to it. But the reality is, is that these football clubs who have top people in, in them positions in, in that kind of jurisdiction, they can't keep all making the same mistakes. So sometimes it's maybe, do we need to look at actually what's coming from the powers to be or the kind of topics and the rules set out in stone or is it the fact that it's a revolving door and things keep on changing per different club different kind of situation maybe 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 that's my point is 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 that these football clubs all can't keep in this keep making the same mistakes so if i have a great devil's advocate here and, and I'm fascinated what you all think. So Forest get to January last year and they've taken so long to get back to the Premier League and the owner is ambitious and the owner's prepared to buy footballers. Forest go into that January window and they make changes to the squad that ultimately keeps them in the Premier League. They've been given a pot of cash by that very same league on promotion they have a situation where the ground is what it is. And based on being in the Premier League for that short period of time, there's no way they can do anything about it. It is what it is. There are, the, the executive boxes and lounges are what they are. The club shop is what it is. The interest in the jersey is what it is. You can't affect it. But you're going to get relegated. So you get to January and what do you do? Do you sit there and say to your fan base, listen, guys, I'm with you. But if we spend any... We might get some points off next season. Next season. Or do I say, listen, we got to stay in this league and take our chances because if we do get relegated, we might be decades until we get back again. The owner is bound to then say, buy the players and we'll work it out. We'll sell someone within the time, time frame, which was Brennan Johnson, and we'll deal with financial fair play because it's not allowing you as a club, to be what you want to be. You're only allowed to be what the league dictate you should be. And I always thought this was brought in for two reasons. A, to protect some clubs from themselves, so they didn't spend that much, that so they just went out of business and communities and cities then lost one of, the, one of its main assets, i.e. the football club that generates so much revenue locally. So it, it's, it is designed initially to save clubs from themselves. But B, I thought it was to allow the... the the, the, the lesser clubs, so to speak, in the area in, in, in this era of gargantuan clubs to be a little bit nearer to them. But the reality is still the same. You know, there is only Real Madrid that can sign Jude Bellingham or there's only Manchester City that can sign Jack Grealish. 
Forrest can't spend 100 million even if Maranakis wants to because of financial fair play. You can't do it. You just lose points. So it, it just means that the, the big clubs stay in the distance and the smaller clubs can't get anywhere near them at a time when, as you've just said, Lou, so much grey around how this all works and what you can do and what you can't do. That Once you get to January, if you're going to get relegated, you're going to buy footballers and you're going to take your chances. And I, I don't blame any owner anywhere in the world for trying to keep his club, for his fan base and his city in the best league he can be in. Um, I, 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 it's, a, it's an absolute shambles the way this rule is administered. And I, and I, I, I feel for the clubs. I'm the, I'd be the first to come out and say, look, if it's irresponsible, it's irresponsible. But my question to you guys would be, what would you do if you were Mr. Maranakis in January? Would you worry about financial fair play or would you keep your team in the league that you're in? I'll give you my issue. Oh, sorry. I'll just give you my my issue just around is it's the volume of spending, the volume of signing. So we signed, we spent 10 million quid on Lewis O'Brien to not have a kick. We spend... yeah, hang on, Matt, Matt, hang on, hang on. So what you're saying is that financial fair play is fine if you get every transfer right. And if you don't, tough. You've got no, to be I'm able saying... to find players and then if it's not right, you've got to change it. I mean, you can't just be... Even the, even the best recruitment teams in the world hit on some and miss on others. Yeah, but it's the volume of signings for us, isn't it? Like Wang E. Joe is one I can make a case for. It was, I, I just didn't see that one. Yeah, but he's and not just we, a financial fair play, has he? Wang E. Joe's not, not, isn't the reason Well, you why add them all together and you do. Eventually, yeah. you add all these players together and you do. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's my, that's, uh, that's my take on it. But at the same everyone. time, at the same time, Manchester City can spend £100 million on one footballer, Jack Grealish, but because they've got a bigger ground and because they've got more commercial and because they're getting better prize money because they've got these players and because their shirts might be selling more around the world than, than Forrest's, that means that they can do that. And by signing Wang Hee Joe and John Joe Shelby, you might lose points. 
I mean, you can't tell me that that system is either fair or sensible. It just makes no, no, no sense. In the I, same I agree. Way. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think the rules are wrong. You know, we'll come on to it. We'll probably touch on this more. If you're a promoted team without parachute payments, you're virtually screwed from the beginning, unless you probably do what Forest have done. So the question is, do you break the rules or do you play within the rules? And the rules might be stupid, but we haven't played within the rules, perhaps. So but I don't, think debates, to, I, think. I don't think they've tried to break the rules. I think by selling Brennan Johnson, that is a direct attempt to stay inside financial fair play. Because don't forget the rules around a homegrown player is that that entire chunk of, 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 of transfer comes off in one go. So if you what you've been encouraged to do is generate players through your academy, get them in the first team and sell them as quick as you can to stay inside financial fair play and then go and buy people from elsewhere which seems a crazy mm. way of doing it. So mm. I, I don't think they've, they've necessarily gone, let's just flaunt financial fair play. I don't think anybody at the city ground wanted to sell Brennan Johnson. They wanted to start this season with him in the team, but, but in, a, in an attempt, and quite a significant attempt, to stay inside financial fair play, they've sold their most saleable and profitable asset to another Premier League club to try and stay inside. They've not just taken the mickey and gone, well, we're going to do what we want to do. I'm going to buy a load of players and you can go and do one. They, they've done what they've done. And then they've said, right, we'll now sell arguably our best player for 55 million quid to try and stay in it when we don't need to, other than to adhere to your regulations. So they've made a really strong effort to try and stay inside it. And they're mm. still going to get clobbered Everton went to the league and put their hand up and said, listen, we might be struggling a bit here. It's all got to ride behind the scenes. The owner's bonkers. He's signing up. He is bonkers, the guy there. He's done nearly a billion quid at Everton. They've even gone and said, can you help us? And they've gone, yeah, we can. You're 19 million quid out. There's 10 points. Go and knock yourselves out. I mean, come on, this can't be right. We, we can't be sitting here as football fans and saying this makes any logical sense. No, and I'll bring the other things. I think I don't want to take the whole thing. I think we largely agree. I just think it's around having three different recruitment teams in a season. How we sp how we spend the money is an issue. We can debate separately around if the rules are right. I don't want to hog hog everything. What go go on, Thames? You were going to come in there. First of January, twenty twenty three. Forest are nineteenth in the Premier League and odds on to be relegated. So at, at that point, there's a knock on the FD's door or whoever to say. I want to recruit some additional players. I want to get the players into this side who are going to help us ease clear of relegation. And you could probably construct an argument with hindsight that the signings of Nabas and Felipe did have a positive effect on our chances of staying in the Premier League and ultimately made the difference between staying put and, and being relegated. So there, there is an element there, to Fletcher's point, of calculated risk. Yes, we're potentially going to breach here, but... If we don't, with six points adrift, we go down anyway and all this is, is immaterial. So you've got to be careful of the problem that you wish for. Do you want the problem to be trying to navigate getting back out of the championship or do you want to deal with this, this now, as Fletch said? And if it's five to six points, that's not insurmountable. So there's an element of, of, of calculated risk there, perhaps. Uh, there's also the second thing. This is really common in sports clubs. It's called optimism bias. So you you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. You think every signing is going to work. You think you're going to realise a particular amount in the in the transfer market for for a player. There was a whisper for a long time that Forrest felt Chelsea might jump in in this window and take Tyro on you for a, for a big profit, for example. So Forrest didn't do anything. Um, that they didn't feel would, would improve the side, would, would, would improve their, 
chances of generating the points to stay in the Premier League. And you've got all these different factions within a football club trying to make the side the best they can be. You've also got 19 other sides out there trying to bat you every Saturday and, and make you go home with nothing uh, and, and for them to win at your expense. It's an absolutely brutal league played out in public. All your dirty washing is out there to be seen by everybody else as we're seeing now. But we still have a fighting chance of staying in the Premier League this season, even if we do take a hit. I think there'll be all kind of um, amateur inquest as to the ifs, what's, maybe is whose fault was it. But do just have a little think back to that period of time last January where we were staring down the barrel of a gun. And but for transfer activity at that point, not all of it was positive. I'm not praising the, the scattergun approach at all. There were some good signings in there that made it into the 11, that contributed to the wins that kept us up. And that's why we're still in the Premier League. Yeah, and I'd say on the back of that, when we're talking about whether you're going to hit on transfers or not, you could sign the best player in the world and through no fault of your own, that player might not contribute because they get injured. So there is also the vagaries of you can you can hit on all your transfers, but you still might have a problem that they can't all perform. So you, you're going to get some right and some wrong. It's such an inexact science. The other thing I would just say is I'm fascinated now. Once, once clubs like Forest and, and Everton and maybe a couple of others are given punishment, challenge it, and have to take it. What happens then if when they get around to Chelsea and Manchester City, their legal teams are so good that they can't make it stick? Then you've got a world of trouble coming from everybody around the, the, the football community. And I would be amazed, on the back of what we're about to see, whether this isn't looked at and redefined and rewritten so that it actually fits the modern game, because this is the most profitable football league in the world. And all of these clubs are being given money and, and basically being told to spend it because the, this league wants to be the best league in the world. You can't then tell them to do that and then take points off them when they do. It just makes no sense at all. Uh, over 800 people watching live, which is great. Do like and subscribe if you can. And thanks to new channel members. I'll just read their names out quickly for joining us. Cassandra, Paul, Michael, uh, Matt Kane, Alan Kemp and Dave Sanders. Appreciate all the support. Um, let me bring Lewis in. From a player's point of view, Lewis, um, what do you think they're like today in the train you know, around the training ground? Are they bothered about this stuff or not? Uh, listen, there's a cloud over the football club at this point in time because there's everyone's preempting what's going to happen but like i said we still don't know but as players now the legal stuff it's it, it doesn't involve the players their job is to there to train every day and be ready for the games where it will kind of affect and the players will be looking at it if everyone's talking of a point deduction where does that put us in the league does that then put the premier league safety uh in jeopardy why that would why that would be a strong point is because a lot of them players will have clauses, personal extensions, uh, a wage cut. So when it gets to the point in in terms of stuff, always happens in football clubs at, at that top end. It's that's just a, that's just a common theme. When it will affect, then you talk about point deduction and and where that will put you in the league and and, and possible relegation. Then of course, then the players will will. will will take note because at the end of the day it, it now has a has a sole effect on on their livelihood and so i think from a player's point of view until something of maybe a point deduction happens uh i think it's just 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 carry on as normal hmm. what about the manager what will he be 
saying to the group do you think uh, at this point will he completely ignore it or will you only, will he only address it if there's uh, any kind of confirmation do you think well, the, the big thing on it um he 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 will know and he would have known about it pre-coming to the club and, and if he didn't then this alarm bells ringing but as a, as a manager coming to the football club and when you when you sit down and you speak to the powers that be you want to know everything what could and could happen and so hopefully this wouldn't be something that's come out the note uh, out of nowhere where it's coming to the kind of public uh, stream and and now, now the managers what's the situation so I'm, I'm sure that he would have been aware of what's what's going on I'm sure coming before he signed and uh, agreed to take over the football club he would have known that there might be there might be a possibility of this happening so uh he'll be equipped to to understanding that he would have got the the done the due diligence and and as much information he can get from from people above him and all he can do from that is maintain that change room continue to talk to players but also let the players know what he knows uh and they kind of be a a, a straight line of of communication and all they can do is like we as fans do is is wait to see what the outcome is hmm. What about from a business point of view, Temps? You sort of, you you work in this environment at cricket. What questions will be being asked? What kind of reviews will be being taken to make sure we ideally, well, obviously ideally, aren't in this situation again in future if we are charged? I don't know. It's that heart versus head thing again, isn't it? It doesn't matter what counsel I give as a as a commercial or or, or media expert to to my owner. If if they so decide to to overrule me. Um, with the courage of their own convictions and the cash that's in, in their own pockets. So I don't think there'll be any great uh, internal witch hunt at Forest. They're, they're all in it together, in, even if they're, they're, they're giving differing advice. That's, that's common in, in any workplace. I don't think there'll be any blame apportioned. You know, Maybe there's one or two people quietly giving it a nod and a wink and saying, I told you so. But as I said, the, the book stopped with the owner who made a conscious choice to make moves in the market and he holds the shares he holds the power he he makes the call so uh, no I, I don't expect there to be any um in, internal investigation at, at forest whatsoever they will know the root of this they will they will know they've either made a mistake or a calculated gamble um, and my read is the latter i think they decided to take a positive risk to stay in the premier league for one more season I think we're we're missing the point here, and that is that they would have been aware of this all the way down. That's why they sold Brennan Johnson. They knew that this was there, and I I think they're going to fall foul of timing, not money. I think you you, you fall out of a particular window, and then when you look at it, you think right, we're inside profit and sustainability, but we didn't sell him by that date. So on that date, we were wrong. By that date, we were fine. And we've missed the cutoff. I think that's what you're going to find here. I don't think this is a load of people in a room, some megalomaniac just going around on like a, a Dale Winton trolley dash in January with no regard for financial fair play. That's not the case. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sold Brandon Johnson. So they've tried to stay inside. And the owner has owned a football club for a long time where there will be financial regulations there. And... He knows about it. They, they, they aren't idiots. I don't think there's going to be any kind of witch on. I think they feel or felt like they got a fair chance to be inside. And I think Everton and other clubs are going to go, blimey, we thought we were okay. 
this is such a grey area. The football clubs themselves find it virtually impossible to work out what they're supposed to do and by when they're supposed to do it. And, and what I would say is, I think that the, the Johnson transfer, if you actually look at the pounds, shillings and pence of where they should be, that would get them back inside. But I think it's a timing of the when the transfer was done that keeps them outside. Now, if you lose points for that, some people will think it's harsh. Some people will say, well, that's the rules you've got to abide by it. But I don't think this is a case of they're all in a room together going, sod this, we're just going to buy a load of players. They're not like that. Let's give them the credit. You know, this is these are business people that know how to do this kind of thing, but it's so difficult to manage that, that there are numerous clubs in the Premier League that all of them are finding it difficult. So it, it can't be just one sloppy act. This is a case where a lot of people around the Premier League are finding it really difficult to work out how this profit and sustainability works and to make sure that they can stay around where they need to be, whilst at the same time being ambitious enough for their fan bases to try and grow their clubs. Just on that point, sorry, just on that point, Fletch, in, in, in terms of you're saying about the Brennan Johnson, which I understand that. Now, we're all looking at it from, from, from the view of Nottingham Forest. That's the most important thing. Now, yeah. these people are making these decisions. They're just looking at it from the part of what's happened. Here's the situation. Here's the information that we've got. These answers. And I know that through Everton's situation, one of the big situations what went it, what didn't go in their favour is that when they approached the league and realised that they was in trouble, it then they then went and tried to sign and signed another player, even though they've also gone to the league and saying that we're in trouble. Now your, your point about Brennan, which I understand that and that's valid, but at that point they sold Brennan. Nottingham Forest didn't didn't stop bringing players in. No, because it it falls into another. It goes year by year. All your accounts go year by year. So you've got to you've got but, to be right, right. Yeah, but the time the timing of the timing of that the timing of the of of the yeah. of the deals of Brennan leaving yes. and you talk about Sangari coming in. It was pretty much the same day. Well, I understand that. So in three years' time, when we're looking back on our calculation, we're probably using Brennan to offset Sangare. So it's tough. Yeah. And, and here's where the, the other th interesting th third party comes in. So you, you try to litigate in sport if it's defending a charge from a governing body or it's some kind of legal case against another party. You're always going to have positive legal advice from the counsel that you seek because litigation is, is how the, the sports lawyers make, make their cash. So you, you often get this where two sides are being legally advised and they've got a strong case and they can construct this, this argument and it can, only, it can only go one way or the other. So I, I hope and I expect, actually, that Forrest are getting sound legal advice here. There's, there's been some um, good, good recent examples of, of, of positive legal minds who have worked for the club and on behalf of the club. So I hope they're being, I hope they're being well advised. But, yeah, to Lewis's point, you want to count Brennan in a different window when it comes to offsetting Sangare in the FFP calculation three years down the track. But here's one as well. The league itself, because it's so profitable to be a Premier League club, if you're an owner, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and say, I've got a choice here to either buy another player and stay in the league and this mob are going to give me 200 million quid again for the privilege of doing it. I might lose five points next season in the process, but I can have 200 million quid. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Just look at this logical eyes. You're going to stay in the division. You're going to buy the player to stay in the division. And until they 
until they modify this and alter it, this is going to be the case moving forward. Because for it, let's that's say Forrest lose five points, right? Okay? So I think you're completely right, and that's the point when I said yeah, originally start going back to source because if you're talking about we need to look at the source and where it starts from because if you're an owner, if you're a wealthy businessman, if you take out the top six, what is the point of owning a football club? What what is the point in putting money into a football club because you're going to get to a certain point and it's like well you can't then build the infrastructure, you can't then get that team up at the top end, you can't then build the city, you can't do all these things. Because there's that point that you're going to get points deducted. So the reality is, unless I'm in that top six where I know that I'm going to get that revenue, there's no point. No. Because you're can't. always going to get the ceiling. And then, well, it's either I can't do any more, I can't take this club any further, otherwise I'm going to get sanctioned for it. So that's my point. It's got to go back to source of what is the actual point of this? Where's the process of this? And where's the, the thought behind it? And... And I understand that we're trying to make sure that we don't get scenarios where clubs go out of business. Totally understand that. But also, this is the best league in the world and we want to keep attracting the best people to this league. And when we kind of start putting these sanctions, it's like, as a business point of view, if you're a wealthy businessman and looking to come and, and put money into something, well... There's only you're only gonna do it to get to a certain point, and it's like right. Well, my hands are tied. The only way I can then proceed is if I'm the risk of then getting points deduction, which will then relegate my club, which is then I'm gonna lose so much more money. From from a business standpoint, it's just suicide. Yeah, but you're yeah. gonna spend, aren't you? You're gonna stay in that division and get that check at the end of the year, and you're gonna take your chances, and you're gonna argue your case, and on you go. Newcastle, are the case in point. Newcastle want to be Manchester City, but they've put in a, the accounts have gone in, they lost 73 million quid last year, despite the fact they qualified for the Champions League. Now, they're not bothered about that. They want to buy a team that can compete with Manchester City, but they're not allowed. So now Newcastle, the richest club in the world, they've probably got to sell somebody before they can buy anybody else. I mean, that's fine, but... Why should they not be allowed to be a big club if that's what they want to be? Why, why should they not? Why, why should they have to sit there and watch other sides? Who, by the way, a lot of these clubs that are at the top were built before these regulations came in. So they had free reign to do it. They could just go out and spend however they wanted to spend because then financial fair play was brought in. But they were established by then as the elite. So why would you stop someone joining the elite if that's what they want to do? Evangelos Marinakis at Forest wants his team to be challenging for European football. The only way he can do that is to get enough talent on the pitch to do it. It's the only way. Now, what, why should he be stopped for doing that when other people can do it, other teams can do it? Just because your ground's bigger, why should you be allowed to do it and the team where the ground's smaller aren't allowed because they haven't got luxury boxes, corporate hospitality, there's not people in the Far East buying a 10 billion shirts a year. Why should you not be allowed to join that club simply because you can't do that? There are restrictions at the city ground. You can't make it any bigger, really, a little bit, but not, not significant, not that it'll affect the profitability of the club, unless your owner then says, I'll go and buy a plot of land and I'll build a stadium and then I can spend even more money. Why should that be the case? I mean, it just seems nonsensical and you're going to take points off people for trying to do it. It just strikes me as... I, I feel for all of the clubs that are going to fall foul of this because it, I don't think it's fair on any of them. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I, the, I, and I do get that. Sorry, Matt. No, the only thing I want to say about litigation is I know what if no no Leicester fan, Southampton fan or Leeds fans are gonna watch this, but they're gonna say, Well, hang on, we didn't get FFP charged and we got relegated, and they would be saying, Well, that's your fault for not breaking the rules. No, so, it's the rules are wrong, Matt. It's the rules are yeah, wrong. Yeah, they are, yeah. But we yeah, just, but they just, yeah. just because we've got six different versions of the same argument highlights just how crazy the bloody rules are. If you think about it, they've all got valid cases too. To sit there and yeah. say, well, we, we didn't do this and look what's happened to us. And, and that's right as well, because they probably would have liked to have gone, well, we'll just go and chuck a load of cash in it and we'll stay up as well. But they didn't. Mm. It's just wrong. No, but I, I think that as a football club as well, and, and again, it's, a, it's a also a separate argument, but I think they have to understand that when this situation comes around and we're talking about financial fair play, the recruitment is going to come under so much scrutiny. Like they, they have to understand that because the, the reality is over the, over the players that have been brought in, a lot of them haven't worked. So when, when a scenario comes and there's now a possibility of the club uh, getting sanctioned over money, when a then football club on the recruitment side is bringing in a lot of players, an influx of players that a lot of them haven't worked out they have to understand from from a from a fan's point of view that is going to be the main topic. Yeah. That's just understandable. You, you, you made the point that the, the Johnson and Sangari deals were close together. The difference for that is that if Brennan goes for fifty five million because he's a homegrown player, the whole of the fifty five million comes off. You spend. If you then sign Sangari, however many years that that deal is structured those increments come off each year. So you can sell one and sign one on the same day and still be significantly better off. This is the reason why Chelsea have got players on seven and eight-year contracts because all of yeah. those payments then are backloaded down the line. Now, they've now closed that loophole, but Chelsea have got that squad. So you can't now turn around and say, well, let's just take points of everybody else. Chelsea have managed to circumnavigate the system. They've now got a massive squad young players on seven and eight-year contracts, which nobody else can do now. Nobody, because they've closed it. But they've got the players. So you've even got situations very, very recently where it's been abused, but we'll just close that now. And I don't know whether they're going to go back and throw the book at Chelsea further down the line. I'm not sure. That's not been mentioned. They're looking at the Abramovich era as it stands. But it's just not level. Whichever way you look at it, every case is different and every club is in a different realm. And again, I'll go back to the point that I think if you sat them down in a room and, and they took a lie detector test, the people within the corridors of power at Forest would tell you that they genuinely felt that by selling Brennan Johnson when they did, they would fall inside financial fair play, profit and sustainability and be okay. I don't think they've gone out there to try and pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I don't, I don't think they wanted to sell him. I think they've had to, to try and stay in whilst trying to be ambitious and competitive at the same time. And even by doing that, it looks like they're going to fall foul of it and potentially lose some points. We'll wait and see on it. But I don't think this was a case of, and this is the only point I'm, I'm making, I don't think this is a case of, well, we're going to do it regardless and, and stuff you. I think this was... They, they thought by doing it the way they've done it that they'd fall inside. And maybe that's naivety. Maybe it's inexperience. Maybe it's just bad luck. I don't know. It's going to cost them. But I think it was done in their own minds 
the way that they wanted to do it so they'd be okay. I don't think they I don't think they've I don't think they took them I don't think they've taken the Mickey. I, I, I genuinely wouldn't wouldn't believe that. Um, let me shuffle the conversation on a little bit because we're 40 minutes in around Fletch Rent's potential points deduction. I mean, how many points do you think we could take, Temps, before you thought, oh, you know, no, we're in massive trouble here and we're probably going down? I think the difference between staying up and going down is that delta of five to ten points. I think if, if we were to beat Brentford with five or six points deducted, we'd find ourselves immediately outside the relegation zone. I think if it was to be uh, ten points or, or, or north of that, um, we, we'd find ourselves in in a, in a spot of trouble and, and it would be far, far tougher to maintain our place. I think we're extremely lucky um, that Burnley and Sheffield United are a little bit cut adrift. Um, everyone's like singing out plucky Luton as the ones that might get themselves out of out of trouble. But I, I do think we could overcome a, a five or six point deduction. And to Fletcher's point about proportionality, I think that's where it's likely to be. We're all becoming accidental experts or, you know, armchair experts in the, in the business of football. And there's a couple of points the fellas raised earlier, which, which really don't sit well with me. The first is that Todd Bowley can come into Chelsea, spot this loophole and sign seven or eight players like Mudrick on an eight and a half year contract and just amortise him over a long period of time and exploit a loophole. Don't like that at all. Lewis's point about profitability from ownership. The Glazers come in, buy Man United with debt for 600 million quid and then sell a 25% stake in their business for 1.2 billion 10, 12 years later. There are a lot of people in and around our sport who are in it for a quick book, in it for a, on a hedge fund basis, to have an exit strategy, to, to come in, commercialise everything and, and get out. I don't think that's why Maranakis is involved at Forest at all. You, you can say it's a vanity thing. You can say it's him showing you know, power to, to, to rivals or other clubs or whatever. But I, I don't think he's in Forest to, to make money per se. There might come a time down the line when he, when he sells out. Who knows? But the evidence from the last few transfer windows, the entire period of ownership, is he's put his own dollar on the line to further the interests of the, of the football club. So those uh, exploitative, um, evasive tactics of some of the established elite really don't sit well with me. And that's why it happens, Fletch, because the politics in the corridors of power is the concentration of those that are consistently in the top six, top eight, want to preserve that, want to feather their nest and don't want to be challenged by, you know, upstarts and, and, and emerging clubs. So, yeah, all power to Brighton, all power to, to Villa. I think it's commendable what they've done because the odds are stacked against you when you promote it to the Premier League. They're everybody's worst case scenario, aren't they, Brighton? Because they've managed to do it without doing it. So there's the example. <laughs> you can do it with, with, and, and stay inside and generate your own players. I'd be fascinated to see where Aston Villa stand because they've had a good old spend recently as well. I don't know what how that works. I mean, it's, I don't know, fascinating. Um, what about you, though, from a football point of view? Are we going to be fortunate that the promoted teams are looking pretty poor, do you think, or, or not? How many points could we take? Listen, you don't you don't want to take any, and you don't want to be put in that position. Say we've mentioned we've mentioned Everton a lot today, but I think you've got to take their example. They got done ten points, and a lot of people at that point was pretty much thinking they're done. Uh, and, and in a short space of time, look at where they came and they they got them points back very quickly. Uh, and, and when we're talking about a ten point deduction, a lot of people. Really now, in terms of Everton's case, it's a, it's kind of in the past. It's forgotten about because they they kind of dealt with it uh, very quickly. So 
I think I think over the, over Nuno's short period of time, I think I think he's shown the way he's set up the team and the way he wants to go about things that we can go and win games in this in this in this league. And all we have to do now is continue to kind of concentrate on that, concentrate on the ideas that he wants to put across. And what will happen will happen. We can't change the, we can't change that. What well, if we get done six, if we get done four, if we get done ten. We've just got to wait and see. The reality is, if the point deduction happens, it happens. But I feel that we're in a good place in t- on the pitch in terms of the players, in terms of the manager, that we can go and, and, and get points in this league. And 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 I think it's it's as simple as that. Lou, you mentioned mm-hmm. Everton. I mean, there's as much speculation around them getting more points as there is Forrest getting points. So 10 points might become 15 points by the time this adjudication comes out. I don't think Everton are clear from additional sanctions, actually. I mean, it's Forrest and Everton, the teams, the, the clubs that people are talking about right now. I've seen Wolves mentioned somewhere in dispatches as well. But it looks as though there's a, there's a chance, if you, if, if you believe what you read, that Everton might get more points added on to the 10 um, at the same time that Forrest gets some points as well. So, Yeah, but, yeah, but sometimes from a changing room point of view, sometimes... And they they've gone through this process already in that change room. Everton change room gone through this process. And sometimes it, it it makes you closer. Sometimes it galvanizes the team. The little the little maybe little leaks that you might think we're not all together. Things like this sometimes. Listen, it's all against everyone. Everyone wants us to fail, and it kind of changes your whole mindset as a group. Uh, and sometimes it can it, it can help that group. And like I said, if it does happen, which Everton have done, uh, that change room they've. They've they've come together, uh, and they've realised that they've got they've got a tough job, but but they've gone and done it along with the management team and his staff. They've gone and literally dealt with that point deduction very swiftly and very early. So, so listen, it, it, it's it's never nice, and you don't want it to happen to any 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 club, especially your own. But sometimes, as from a change room dynamic, little things like that where you feel like little things have gone against you, that's a bit harsh. Sometimes you need that a little bit of a little bit of added uh, revenge, and you take that as a group. And every time you go out on that pitch, it's a chance to prove someone wrong. It's a chance. Let's go and get another three point back. Let's go and tick tick another three points off. Let's go and tick another three points off. Because at the end of it, when they've tried to deduct us points, when we think it's unfair, at the end of the season, when we stay up, now the feeling of now they've tried to they've tried to take it away from us. We've got together. We've stayed up. And like I said, I think sometimes it can help the group. Um, a lot of people asking in the comments about Man City. We're not asking, just saying, what about Man City? What about Man City? What about Chelsea? I think they're just such, they're really complicated situations. They've got a million lawyers dragging their heels over it. They'll stretch this out for as long as they can. And it's probably, a, I mean, am I wrong, Fletch? Is it, it feels like a not a different situation, but it's one they're going to litigate to the end to well, get whatever they can out of it. I think in City's case, you've got over 100 charges, haven't you? And I presume all yeah. all 100 charges are going to be discussed, whether it's individually. You're not just going to bracket a load together, I wouldn't have thought. So that's a very big case. You mentioned lawyers. They'll have the best in the business working on their defence. Um, and Chelsea would be the same. Um, I, I think... I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you how that process is working. All I would, All I would guess is that the situation with Forrest and Everton is simpler and there's less to pick through 
And it's a case of, well, there's the problem. So what's the punishment? From a City and Chelsea standpoint, there might be many, many different areas where they're being accused of falling foul. They're refuting that, obviously, because they think that, that they're fine. So that is going to run and run. So I also wonder whether they might be trying to set precedents with other clubs to say, well, look, the precedent's been set now in the league that these clubs took this. So this is this is the formula we're going to go down. But, you know, I agree. I agree. Um, let me just ask one more FFP question before we move on to Oral Mangala briefly. Um Temps, do we? Does this? Let me have just tell to... you this. Let me just tell you this, mate. Before you do, I've just had a message. This this should just give people a little bit of, of an idea of how the process is going to be, because obviously we're still waiting. Um, this is from someone who would know. If, as they expect, they are charged, this is Forest. They'll have a couple of weeks to respond, and then an independent commission will be assembled to hear the case and decide on a punishment. The commission has a range of sanctions available to them, including a fine and points deductions. So it's not as if this is, well, that's what you're going to do and that's that. There is then a process that has to start and only at that point will we know whether it's going to be a fine, a points deduction when an independent commission sits down and adjudicates when they've looked at it from both sides. So that's that's the process. Oh, good stuff, thank you. Um, one more uh, attempt before we move on to Mangala. Do we have to look at our transfer policy now i know fletch might disagree with me a bit but i think we've just got to stop signing so many players <laughs> such a, a blind, blindly obvious statement but we can't be doing this every summer because next season if we were in this situation the bottom three might be a lot better than the bottom three we're facing now look i can sit here and say you've got to trade within your means if that means 10 out 10 in and the books balance so be it if you get 50 million quid from an academy product and you can spend some coin so be it you have to trade within your means i i want a ferrari can't afford one. That's just that's just reality, um, mate. Of of course, we want to see three in, three out every window, and I think we're getting towards that. You're not going to see quite the frenetic spell we had in the in the summer of uh, of 2022 when it was just a revolving door, wasn't it? But yeah, that that's what I want to see. That's what I expect to see, and I, I think Forest now seems to be more happy with their recruitment team. The one thing to watch is who they're earmarking for the for the sale. You're going to talk about Mangala, but he's not going to generate excessive profit versus the £15 million that we paid for him. Where's the value add? Who are we going to ship out to be able to, to reinvest? So that's the, the subtlety which we need to see uh, a bit more care taken over in the transfer windows ahead. Just on that, and Lewis will, will back me up on this, the dressing room is getting stronger. So the, the talent level is getting higher. So there's not that necessity now to, to sign so many. They needed volume based on, I don't want to go back over old, old news, but they needed numbers based on how small the squad was on promotion. So they had to go all out and get numbers in to give them half a chance. They then realised that a lot of those weren't good enough. So they went for volume again to try and get better quality in the room. But the better players you have and the more established you become, that reduces the necessity to sign volume. And then you do start to look for quality. You highlight certain positions. And I think we're getting towards that point now that they've got good players in good areas. I also think as well, you have a different type of manager. I would suspect that Nuno Espirito Santo will be a stronger character in the room based on his experience before and the fact that the owner was so keen to bring him in. And he's always worked with a smaller squad. 
And I think he'll be adamant that he wants a manageable number, a group that he's comfortable with. And I would suspect that the owner would respect that and go with that. And I think his influence will be quite big in terms of the way this pans out moving forward. You, you would like to think so, but I certainly feel that the the quality of player that they brought in this time compared to last time was higher. So you naturally get that better group that you need to add to rather than overhaul, which they've, they've done over the last two or three windows. Hmm. Um, let's talk about Oral Mangala. That was a good discussion, but we've been going for uh, 50 minutes. I mean, it looks like Lewis, he might be sold. We don't exactly know the reasons. Obviously, we don't have another Brennan Johnson who we can sell for 50 million quid for profit. So we do have to sell someone, I guess. You've, you're, you've been his biggest fan this season and you want to see him play an even more important role for the team higher up the pitch. Are you surprised by uh, him potentially going? What's your take on it? Uh, I think football and surprising, you should never, ever be surprised at what, what could happen and what's around the corner. It's And I, and I stated this uh, a few shows back when I said that when a new manager will come in, there'll be, there'll be shocks both ways. There'll be players that haven't, kicked a ball, suddenly a focal point of the team. And it'll also be players that I play week in, week out that will be kind of pushed out the door. That's just that's just the 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 reality of football. Uh let's be honest, he hasn't he hasn't played much football since the manager's come in. So straight away I think that 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 tells you uh that tells you a lot. But sometimes as well we I say we're talking about I don't want it to just be about financial fair play in the money but sometimes as well if he again when I said that he'll come into the into the club knowing what's what's happening sometimes as a manager and there's a club you have to take a bit of a you have to take take one and you might there might be a player that you don't want to lose but it might be the the best option and and and, and the only option maybe in that window so sometimes you have to do that for the for the for the good of the club and the good of the the, the future and, and you might have to okay do I want to lose that player in this window no I don't but that's a necessity that might have to happen that's out of my control and I've got to now try and try and make the best of it uh, and 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 the players that are still around uh, especially in that position they've got to come to the forefront so so I think in terms of a, a fan's kind of perception on it I think everyone's quite shocked that, that the names that's been he's the name that's been constantly kind of pushed forward of, of leaving the football club uh, and I still think he has a uh, he has a lot to offer especially in that in that team and I think he was only getting better and better but these things happen in football and, and, it, and if that's the case and it leaves the clubs uh, the club will have to move on the manager will move on and I'm sure he's ready and 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 has the plans and uh, and tactics uh, to, to move forward without Mangal if that if that's so be it they need as a club Sangari to work. It's the club record by it's got to work. I don't know what Mangala would do over a firing Sangari that Sangari wouldn't do. And I don't necessarily think that Nuno would want to play the pair of them together. So I think you look at Sangari, he's your big buy, got to work, probably wants to play Mangala's position. It's probably a bit of pressure to play Sangari. New manager might think Sangari's the better player. And by the way, flip this the other way. Oral Mangala isn't from Nottingham. I love Nottingham Forest because I was born here. And he's been here a year and a half. And now Juventus and Napoli are saying, we quite like you. He might think, hang on. You know, if I'm Oral Mangala at this point and I'm 
a Belgian international who's been brought in for a short period. I might fancy Juventus at this point. They're going to be back in the Champions League next season. Napoli are probably going to be back in there with them. He's going to get the chance to play in that competition. This might not all be one-sided. This might also be a footballer. And I'd like to know what you'd have said, Lou, if, if, if Juventus and Napoli came in at any stage. Um, I think I look at it and say, it's not a bad opportunity, this. I mean, you've got to look at it from both sides. But I also think they've got a glut of players in that midfield area. And if you're going to lose anybody within the squad, then midfield looks like the area where you could get rid of a couple and not really feel it. Mm -hmm. Do you need to answer that, Lewis? <laughs> would you assign for Juventus if they came in? He still would. <laughs> so, like I said, on that, the reality is, the reality is on it. He's not playing. It's like oh, yeah. he's not playing. He's not in the team. So, like Fletcher's point in terms of it might not be one sided. The, other, uh, the bottom line is he's not playing. It's not as if we're talking about a player that we talk about uh, Brennan's time or say a Gibbs White where they're, they're focal points of the team and they're playing week in, week out. It's like, why would they want to go? The reality is he's a footballer and he's got to do the best for himself. And if he's not playing at a club, then the only option might be to move to another club. And, and that's just how it will be. So I think that if it happens, I think, I, my, personally, I think that he's got a lot to offer. And I, and I wouldn't want him to leave the club. But if it happens, it's I mean, there's no surprises, and 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 the early kind of reign of of the new manager, he's not been a part of his plans. Is it a case then, in terms of negotiate the best deal you can? I mean, it is hard to not back Juventus and Napoli from a Forest point of view. Get as much cash as you can. I've seen reports of a loan, but I'd be really shocked by that unless there was an obligation at the end of it, or a trigger in the other direction. You know, are we in a situation where additional? appearances, goals, trigger a payment that we don't want to to make. Nuno's had to come in and make a cold assessment of the, the club and credit to him because he's orchestrated wins over Newcastle and Manchester United. He's earned the right to choose. That's what a manager has to do. If he sees uh, Danilo taking that position, then it, it's not worth having a, a, a player of Mangala's quality unhappy on the bench. And you can see why that ag agitate for a move. As Lewis said, for the very best reason, there's a footballer that wants to play football. So I, I, I don't begrudge him at all. And I would trust us to, to negotiate the best possible deal. Loan doesn't really make sense for me, even with an obligation, because we, sh we shelled out £15 million for Oral Mangala. And to my sensible trading point earlier, if we have stockpiled a, a few at, at centre mid, we do want to spend some cash on a nine, don't we? So it makes sense to me to rebalance the squad by selling from where we have the depth and trying to recruit where there's an obvious lacking. Would I be right in saying that this will be the first time that Juventus have come back to Forest since they tried to sign Des Walker all those years ago? And a certain Mr. Club said, I will not sell my best player to a second-hand car salesman from Italy. <laughs> and Mr. Agnelli at the time owned Fiat and Ferrari. Did you remember that? Well, I don't think Harry Artis had the call, has he? <laughs> no. Um, no. Let me just thank uh, Anthony, Greg Sutton and Gary Watts for coming members as well. Very much appreciate that. And well, we'll turn our attention to Blackpool. And before we do that, I should say that you can watch that game at the Trent Navigation on Wednesday. Uh, good food down there as ever. It's curry night. So uh, thanks for their support. Get down there and uh, support them and get a good meal and enjoy the game. Right. Just briefly, last few minutes, we've been going for an hour. Blackpool, I want you to get a player's take on it, Lewis. You're going in there as favourites you're expected to win against the league one side but it does have a look of a banana skin about it how, how would you be feeling about this game as a going into it as a favourite from a player's point of view 
Yeah, it's it's one of them. When you when you play in the cup competitions, you're playing against lower lower opposition in terms of individuals, even more so replays. It's got everything to go to go wrong. That's just that's just the reality of football. Like that's sometimes the way you look at it as the play you go wrong. But there'll be some players in there that still trying to get up to speed, still trying to get minutes. Now the the plus is of this is the managerial situation and that Nuno is still fresh. So all these players are still trying to trying to put their put their claim forward and, and to be part of his plans. Uh so one thing is I won't I'm 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 pretty sure that he won't allow any player to kind of go through the motions. And it's sometimes as a it's you get these games that the longer they go on, the worse they become. You can you you can play these games and you play these opposition. If everyone's on it and you start properly, start on the front foot, it could be put to bed after half an hour, and then it becomes a, a, an enjoyable uh, outing, and then you can get your minutes and then you can enjoy it. But the longer you leave it, if you if you if you're off it, if you take your eye off the ball, if you're a little little lapse and a little bit then they could turn into uh, turn into a banana skin. Uh, and then you don't want that because, like I say, it, it then takes you into the league campaign uh, in, in in not not in a good environment in terms of the change rooms and players that have, have played the game and had the opportunity to stake a claim. They will go back onto the to the bottom of the pile. So, like I said, I think it's one of them games that has has the opportunity uh to be to be a banana skin, but I think that if if the players do it properly, I think it could be taken care of uh, pretty quickly. Temps, having predicted a very comfortable win for Forest at the City Ground, how are you feeling about this one? It's nothing to gain, is there? Everybody's convinced that we should breeze them aside, but they were they were plucky enough. I uh, thought we had enough chances in the in the game at, at home to to finish them off with the Dominguez header and the two that Chris Wood missed in the in the first half. So, look, I am going to back us to get have a scrappy 1-0 there. But, look, just beyond that, there's a there's a run of league fixtures coming up now, which, which I quite fancy is in. We're away to Brentford and Bournemouth in the next four weeks, home games against Arsenal, Newcastle and West Ham. But I'm, I'm just excited to see a bit more Nuno ball. So, I don't think what he's done is, has been um, particularly uh, subtle or complex. He's just freed the attacking players to go and be attacking players. And we've seen the rebirth of Morgan Gibbs-White. We've seen flashes from Chris Wood. We've seen Callum Hudson-Odoi threaten to become a Premier League starter. If the whisper is true and Ilanga has had surgery and is five, six weeks on the sidelines with a hammy, that's going to really hamper us because I think he's looked really, really dangerous in the past few games with his pace and his finished product is just just coming on, just just nudged up a gear from where he found himself at the at the start of the season. So excited with what's what's to come. I think Nuno will make sure we make a good account of ourselves in these games and at least have more attacking intent than we perhaps had early season. But I, I can only agree with Lewis. We're going to have a, a, a traipse up to the Lancashire coast. Um, it's going to, probably going to be a miserable night, and I just hope we come out on the, on the right side of it, however ugly it may be. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. When I gave the plug earlier, I realised I hadn't uploaded the graphic, and the Trent Nav went to the trouble of doing nice graphics for me. So there you go. Get down there and have a curry. That looks very appetising. It's so corporate now, Matt, isn't it? I might employ him. <laughs> no chance. No chance of that. Uh, right. Any final words, Fletch, before we depart? Uh, no. No, just on Morgan Gibbs White there, where he's playing. It's amazing what he looks like when he plays in his proper position. 
those passing stats would be quite interesting now, I think. They would. Any, <laughs> any final words, Lewis, before we depart? No. Good. We've moved, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground in an hour today. I should say before I come to time. Sorry, I didn't put any comments up today. Sorry, I was reading them. There's so many, which is great, but almost a thousand people with us, so it's hard to keep pace there and not break up the conversation. So hopefully people are understanding of that. Temps, any final words? Just last thought, the back four against Blackpool is going to be going to be critical to see. I think it's the the final practice, one of a better phrase, before a period of time when we're without several first choice defenders. So important that those guys get an understanding, get their patterns together, work out who's going to be given what role, who's going to be bringing the ball out, who's going to be attacking the the, the balls in behind. Because I think the strength of their performances during this Afcon period is going to be really really critical. True. Who's in goal? Fletch, who's in goal for that game just quickly tomorrow? Has it got to be Vakodimos or do you yeah. go back to Turner? I'd take Mark Crossley over these two. <laughs> it's pretty much what Crossley said to me last week. He's 50-odd he's now, Norm. He's 50-odd. Looking good, though. I, 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 think he's got a, I, I think he's got two that are similar. I don't think you're confident in either. If they do do anything in January, I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I hope he's a goalkeeper. He should know a lot about them because he is a goalkeeper or was a goalkeeper, so that might help. I just think he's got to pick one and stick with that individual and then work it out when they can work it out. But it's certainly an area where they need to get better. Temps made the point about you might sell midfield players to get a number nine. I think they've got to get a goalkeeper before they do anything. Um, mm. And I, I always think we enter these games at the moment with our fingers crossed that the goalkeeping position isn't going to cost us rather than going in with any kind of confidence, which we've become spoiled from Samba to Henderson to Navas. And we've always been a club that's had good goalkeepers. When you go back down the years, you know, from Shilton onwards through Van Broeklin, Sagers, Sutton, Crossley, we've had good keepers. So we're renowned for that. We're a fan base that expects a decent keeper. I think they've got to get that sorted out. Yeah. God, we could open up another recruitment argument, but the economist had the CV there. So, I was, yeah, I thought he'd be a lot better than he has been. But we could do another hour and we probably will through the week. Right. Uh, thanks very much to all the chaps there for joining us. Lots of good discussion. Uh, thanks to everyone for chipping in with the comments. Very much appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with a match preview with Greg and uh, a couple of other guests or one of the guests maybe uh, about one o'clock. So do join us for that. In the meantime, uh, Fletch, thank you. Thank you. Lewis, thank you. No problem at all. And Hemps, thank you very much. Cheers, legend. See you soon. Yeah, see you soon, everyone. We'll all go and hit refresh on the Twitter timeline now and wait for confirmation. But have a good day, everyone, and we shall see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.